I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Anaerobic versus aerobic running. Most runners know that we want to build our aerobic system to become better long distance runners. The half marathon and full marathon are said to be 99% aerobic in nature. Aerobic means with oxygen. It only makes sense that as distance runners, we should focus the majority of our time on aerobic development. However, when it comes to those shorter distance races, like the one mile or the 5K, for example, more of our performance is going to require the development of the anaerobic system. We want to chat today about using different systems and what type of workouts you should focus on for each different type of race you are training for. We're also gonna cover in this podcast why it may be beneficial to do some anaerobic or speed work during a marathon or half marathon training cycle and when that may come into play. Even though those distances are 99% aerobic in nature, using the aerobic system, that means with oxygen, there's still that 1%, right? 1% is anaerobic. It doesn't really seem like there's a lot of reason to develop that 1%, but we'll talk a little bit about the trickle-down benefits that can help with those distances. Um, We're also gonna chat a lot about training specifically for those shorter distance events and how having the speed in those shorter distance events can then make you faster in the longer distance events. And some of that will kind of kick off talking a little bit about why is it that people who started running, you know, in middle school or high school or college um, using those track and cross country programs, how come it is that when they start doing these longer distance road races, like the marathon or half marathon, that they um, maybe just have like an upper edge compared to someone else. Um, The answer may seem obvious, right? It may be like, well, of course, they have years of running experience, but in reality, most of those athletes haven't done any runs really that are longer than 90 minutes in duration, and the majority of their runs tend to be about 45 minutes long, focusing almost, you know, 50% on that anaerobic um, part. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how there's different ways that you can build this aerobic base, right? So there is a coach at Run for PRs who has qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon. She's ran um, 244 at the time we're recording this podcast. And uh, that's something that she had been chasing for a while. But 
um, a lot of people said, oh, you know, she must be running her whole life, that sort of thing. But really what it was is she was a soccer player her whole life. And so having that aerobic development um, in a different sport. So she was sitting playing soccer and running across the field. And that was developing her aerobic system when she was actually involved in a different sport. And so sometimes we see athletes come over from different sports, ones that are really common that I see a lot are uh, swimming, hockey, those sort of things where maybe athletes don't think that that would translate over to running. But what happens is once they start running, they make this huge trajectory upwards like a hockey stick of this progress being made. But in reality, it's that they had this aerobic base kind of going into running. And so it may appear that they're so naturally talented at running, but it's years of work that they did in a different sport that's translating over. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that aerobic base with you, Jason, because I know that you have personal experience with this and I know you've witnessed this um, even starting as young as high school, right? Mm -hmm. So there was, I think, a story of someone on the high school cross country team who didn't ever run once in his life and he was a soccer player on the team and someone pulled him in on the team. And I think something about you guys won state because of him and then he went on to almost be like a professional runner for a little bit there and running a very, very fast half marathon time. So can you kind of give us a little bit of background on that story and how someone who seemingly has no experience can come out of nowhere and just be a great runner? Because I think a lot of the times when people see things like this happen, they think, oh, natural talent. You know, do you think that that was the case or do you think that um, this individual had a great aerobic base um, throughout childhood, middle school, and high school. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've kind of witnessed a lot of stories over the years of kids um, discovering, you know, later on, whether it be high school or college, that they have some talent in running um, as a result of playing other sports growing up. And so mm -hmm. that particular story um, was Antonio Vega, who actually was a professional runner for a little bit. Um, I think he ran for Team USA Minnesota. Um, and he went on to win a U.S. half marathon championship. I think his PR is 61 and change or something like that. So um, take you back to high school where he was a soccer star and um, he did end up doing track, I think, as a high school athlete, but not in middle school. And um, eventually we convinced him to run cross country, um, just knowing how fast he was on, on the track team. And um, so they were able to work something out with the coach to be able to get him to compete, um, you know, for both sport teams. And yeah, he really didn't train much. Um, he just kind of attended soccer practices and would show up maybe like one practice a week. And then he would show up and do the races. And Isn't that wild though, to think that he, so this individual was not even coming to your cross country practice. Right. And so you have to think of all the kids on your cross country team that were sitting there going to practice, working super hard, doing their runs. But we have this person who wasn't even going to practice, but he was going to soccer practice. So you have to wonder how much running do you yeah. think he was doing at a soccer practice? And obviously that was benefiting him on the cross country um, yeah. competing. And, you know, I should say too, like I, I wasn't, um, you know, as in tune because I was a younger athlete. I think I was a sophomore at the time. So, and it was my first season running cross country as well. So I do know that he attended like his own private practices after his soccer was oh. done. So with our coach, so he might've got in a few miles here and there, but he definitely wasn't getting like the bulk of the workouts that we were doing. And yeah, those, those types of sports, especially soccer, I think you're working both systems constantly. Mm -hmm. So you're out there, you're playing in the game, especially if you're a starter and you play the majority of the game, 
you're working on your endurance. Your aerobic system is constantly being being tested every game, and then in practice as well. But then you also have those opportunities for those anaerobic, um, you know, development or anaerobic uh, parts of the game where, like, let's say you have the ball, you're sprinting really hard to, uh, you know, to get back on defense. Those sorts of examples. Um, so yeah, I think soccer was a great example. And then you know when you start to get a little experience just with racing, and I think he ended up. Um, helping our team place at the state meet, but he went on to finish fourth as an individual, which was pretty unheard of. And typically in Minnesota, if you're, you know, top 10 in the state um, as an individual, you're able to go run division one in college. And that's exa- exactly what he did. Um, he was an all American for the uh, Minnesota Gophers. So um, yeah, cool story. And there's been a couple other kids over the years where I've, um, we've kind of gotten them over from soccer as well to run cross country. And they right away make a, make a pretty big impact, um, you know, helping out, contributing to the varsity team and so yeah just kind of finding those sorts of kids that seem seem like they have really good endurance seem like they have good speed that combination and then just kind of harnessing that into um you know learning how to run and race yeah so wild um so like yeah he he basically was doing double practices right so he's going to soccer he's doing all that running there and then he's having this private practice right and it's so easy for like an outsider to be like oh natural talent but if you you know look back on his background maybe it's like he's been playing soccer since he was probably you know a little kid and all of that running it all builds up to this point of wow like he's actually developed this great aerobic base and so that translates into distance running um and so all he really needed to do was get some structure get some workouts and when he had the chance to compete um he was just utilizing that aerobic base that he had been building since he was a kid right playing soccer um and just going online searching for his prs really quick you were right (laughs) 61 minute half marathon pr ran in 2010 um, winning the USA championships. So that's like 443 per mile for 13.1. And then his marathon PR is like 213. Um, so definitely like a very, very fast runner, but it's crazy to think like just that background of soccer was really like the catalyst for all of that. And so that's why I think it's really cool to talk about this aerobic base, because a lot of the times people just think, oh, you know, natural talent. And I'm sure he had some natural talent, but there is that whole concept of doing a different sport and having it translate over. I've seen this before with swimmers, right? So right. people who were um, swimming and then they, they translate over and that's unique because the muscular skeletal system really needs time to catch up to um, the pounding of running, mm-hmm. but it can really um, do some things. So we have to think about that aerobic development when we're thinking about running um, And there's a lot of ways to build that, right? And I think a lot of runners, when they get into the sport of running, at least me, when I started running, I didn't have an aerobic base, really. I wasn't involved in sports. Um, So when I started running, runners kind of get into that zone where they want to go fast. You know, that's kind of what gets you going. You want to go fast. You want to push it. You like that feeling of pushing it. And as a result, I think we have like a skewed view of what an easy run should be. So we go out there, we want to feel it. We want to feel like we're doing something. And as a result, we end up running a lot of our runs faster than they should, faster than is going to help you build that aerobic base. And talk a little bit about what happens when you have someone maybe like me when I first started where it's like every run I wanted to do, like one or two miles, when you first start, that's all you can really do. I just wanted to go, you know? I wanted to to feel it. 
Um, talk about kind of the setbacks and why it probably is better if you're just starting out to, to even do some like walking, right? Yeah, you know, if you're new to running, it's definitely wise to um, slow down and just and be able to accumulate more minutes. I think over time, that's going to be the best way to improve your endurance because mm-hmm. if you're running too, your runs too fast, um, a lot of times you're in, you're not ending up you're not able to run as far as you could have if you slowed right. down. And so that was kind of a common thing you see when you start working with youth. You know, you you see the ones that like to run so fast and they maybe run a mile or two and then they kind of they get they get pretty tired quick and so teaching them how to slow down how to really pace themselves and that's what's cool about working with a team is like the kids are all on this wide range right all this this wide spectrum and so helping them kind of figure out where they should be within this range and then um, you know you have that opportunity during workouts during easy runs to really help coach them on their pacing and sometimes it's more difficult if you're if you're an adult who picked up mm-hmm. running later in life to really know like where should I be um, so that's obviously something we help with is, is identifying pace goals and stuff. But um, yeah, it's just, I think you're going to get more bang for your buck if you're a beginner runner. Um, you know, slowing down in your easy days, you yes. can you can do strides at the end of your run if you're trying to gain some speed. So that could be right. something that's going to work on improving your form and make you faster. Yeah, one thing, you know, just talking about, oh yeah, younger kids and like thinking of all these practices that are being held for like young kids and thinking about soccer practices. A lot of that is like, kind of exercise for a little while, take a little break. You're standing around, you're kind of standing there. Same with cross country or track practice. So maybe a lot of our listeners have never been at a cross country or track practice, but a lot of it is like, okay, do you like your warm up, like a 10 minute run, come back, listen to the coach talk, you're standing around. There's like a lot of downtime. Um, and then there's like just a lot of interval. It, it's spread out over a longer period of time. And I think that helps to build the aerobic base, right? So you're thinking about a soccer right. practice. It's like you're out there for two hours. You're not going hard for two hours. You're, you're breaking it up. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that time on your feet. If you're an adult and you start getting into running, you know, maybe later in life, you're kind of in a different situation, right? You're not there. You don't have like a, a two hour practice window. You have a lot of other responsibilities. You're going to the gym and you're trying to like get the most that you possibly can out of like this 30 minute window of time. And so as a result, that can cause people to kind of be in a rush, be hurried, and then they, they go faster than they should. And I think one of the things that's not often talked about is how the aerobic base is developed is that it's a very like painfully slow process right so it's a lot of time on your feet it's very monotonous it can get boring and when you're someone who is crunched for time like you have young kids you you have a job you have all of these things it just it's hard to allow yourself that space to actually slow down and go at the appropriate pace because you feel like if you rush through it or if you go a little faster you'll get additional benefit, but right. that's actually the opposite. Yeah, I see a lot of people at the gym, especially, and obviously you're making assumptions because you don't know what they're right. training for or their background really, but you'll see them on the treadmill and they're running like pretty fast, right. but yeah. you'll notice they only were on there for like 10 minutes or yeah. maybe they got on and got off. So you're able to kind of see how long they're on there for and they're running at a pretty fast clip. Um, so you don't know if that's like their warm up for lifting or what, but you just can't help but wonder like, um, for some people, I think that they do have that tendency just to go out and hammer mm-hmm. for like, a mile or two and then be done because um, they think they're going to get the most benefits that way and it just kind of reminds me like as a youth as you kind of as you age you you move up in distance typically if you're exposed to the sport of running you start off in middle school you know running the mile or even if you do cross country I think it's like usually a, a two or three k in distance but 
Um, the jump up to the 5K in high school, I mean, from one mile to 5K, that's sort of like an adult going from a 5K to like a 15K, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's three times the distance. So you're, you're, um, it is kind of a shock to your system. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, back in middle school, we'd only run like a mile and a half in practice. And it would probably be at a tempo pace most days. So I had to kind of learn the the philosophy of just slowing down and eat and pull, you know, running easy on easy days and then doing your workouts as well. Yeah. It's, it's a hard one to sell, right? That aerobic Mm -hmm. training, being able to slow down and go at that truly easy pace. And I think over the years, like it takes people a long time to really fully embrace that concept of, okay, I'm actually going to get more benefit if I go slower, because if you're sitting around going, at that moderate pace every single day, you're negating some of the benefits that you could get if you were training more in that aerobic zone, right? So if you're in those aerobic heart rate zones, if you're going at a very conversational, easy pace, you're actually developing the aerobic system even better. And not only that, but you're also negating negating the risk of injury, right? So that's one of the biggest things. Runners get injured a lot. Um, I'm on the social media page for Run for PRs all the time. I get at least five messages a day from random people talking about um, injuries that they have. And it's hard because it's like, okay, what were you doing? And it's always, oh, yeah, I was ramping up. I wanted to run this race. And here's like kind of what my training looks like. And it's like, well, how slow were you going on your easy days? Were you doing too much, too fast? And I feel like a lot of running-related injuries could be avoided, um, if we allowed ourselves that chance to actually go um, really slow on our easy days and fully embrace that aerobic development. And then also if we tried to not ramp up too much too soon. But I think a lot of it could be, hey, just just going the appropriate easy pace. Um, so do you ever find that coaching some athletes that it's difficult to have them fully embrace this easy pace? And what are some things that you recommend doing if someone is really still struggling with the concept of going three minutes per mile slower than their 5k pace on an easy run yeah this is you know this is a tough one it, it almost takes um learning through experience right experience with different uh, methods of training different race experience and outcomes until you start to get a sense of like what kind of works for me and um you know those examples that you mentioned of people like reaching out um trying to kind of cram quickly to get ready for a race that's very common for adults because we we kind of live in this society of like mm. instant gratification right and um you know thinking about people that grow up um being coached whether that's part of a team um yeah like high school college even like professionals and stuff when we think about their training i mean it's so consistent year round that they're getting so much aerobic development so like a summer plan for example for a a high level cross country team that might consist of like actually pretty high mileage compared to what they do during the season. Cause during the season, they're going to actually, um, you know, do more intensity and more, more workouts and such. Um, but during the summer, it might just be building volume. And so they're getting a lot of those slow miles in and yeah, if, if running slow is kind of a new concept, uh, definitely finding ways to challenge yourself or to help you be more accountable to slow down, whether that be, um, picking hillier routes or you know running with someone a little bit slower than you or um you know listening to a podcast or an ebook or something like that to just kind of take your mind off the pace um you know you could also use the treadmill as a tool for a few runs just to help set the pace and not exceed it um but yeah it's definitely you know for us now here in the summers the summers are so hot that i feel like it's easier to slow down but you also have to have your your workouts so that you 
have something to, um, you know, to push it on us on one day so that the next day right. you can recover from it. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole concept of easy running, like you said, having those tools in place and knowing what helps you slow down. So for some people, that could be the treadmill. Um, for other people, one of the things I found was like a trigger for me that was causing me to run too fast was the type of music I was listening to or any music in general. Um, so it's about, okay, I'm not listening to music on this run. Um, or I'm listening to an audiobook, I'm listening to a podcast. So finding out really what works in terms of helping you slow down. Running with slower people, like you suggested, is another good one. Um, just not looking at your watch. Because I know sometimes people have mental hang-ups as to what sort of pace they can run. And I know for a really long time, I had a specific pace range. And it was like a round number I didn't want to go um, slower than. And it's just totally like a random rule made up in my head. But once I kind of released myself of that um, burden of always trying to run faster than X pace on an easy day... Then I could really fully embrace, oh, I can go whatever pace my body wants to go. And sometimes that means shutting off Strava, you know, you don't want, oh, like, because sometimes people care what other people are doing or they, they worry about judgment upon their run. So sometimes that might mean getting off of Strava if that's a trigger for you. But finding out, like, what sort of thoughts you're having on these runs, because really it's getting down to, like, why do you feel like you need to go faster, right? Um, if it feels unnatural... I would say just kind of lean into that because it's you're doing something different. So it's not that it's unnatural to run that slow. It's that it's new to you. So I'll just say this is like what it's supposed to feel like. It's supposed to feel kind of like a jog. It's not supposed right. to feel like you're running. It's it's more of like an easy jog. That sort of thing is going to help you build your aerobic, pay, aerobic base but also reduce your risk of injury. And that's the number one thing because – we don't want you to get injured. And so if you're able to go at those really slow paces, you get all of the benefits of building your aerobic base, plus you're protecting yourself against getting injured because the faster that you're running, the harder that is on your muscular skeletal system. And so if you're able to go really slow, you're able to shield your body from some of those injuries that pop up. Yeah, staying injury-free is definitely key and one of the secrets to, you know, longevity in the sport right and being consistent and I've worked with a few athletes um, you know over the years that when they came to me I think they were doing a lot of their easy runs um, probably at like their marathon effort pace oh. um, and so it is a new concept to slow down and you know we get to the end of these training cycles and I I ask them to kind of compare their fitness to previous um, cycles leading into a race and you know some of them might say um, you know I feel great I feel more confident mm -hmm. um, others it it's a little bit different of an answer. I might get some that say, well, I feel like I didn't do as much um, like right. tempo runs and as oh fast of work. So they kind of like don't trust it. But then what they find out is like they, after the race, they, they're not like fried. So they're mm -hmm. not like as burnt out and they're able to just kind of continue on not only, um, you know, mm -hmm. physically because they didn't like run themselves into the ground, but just mentally and emotionally, I think they're more like recharging. They're looking ahead, which sets them up, you know, for, success down down the line right so it's all about consistency over time equals stronger aerobic base so if you are doing those things where it's like yeah you can pound hard for like six to twelve months but then you have to take like six months off or you take a year off chances are you're probably going a little bit too fast because if you feel like you need to take those extended breaks or you're like you just dread running or you, like I've had periods of time like that with my running where I used to wake up in the morning and just be like I can't do it like I literally couldn't because it would like physically pain me to think about going on a run 
but that's because I was running too fast. And so I would go to the VDOT calculator online and it would tell me, okay, this is your easy pace. And I was doing that and it wasn't slow enough. And so sometimes it's, you're going slower, right? You're, you're going to have to just lean in and go a minute per mile slower than what the VDOT thing says that you, you can run. And that's totally fine. It's go as slow as you need to, right? You want to go so slow that when you're done, you don't feel worse off than you did before the run. You actually want to feel better after those runs. And so whenever you set an intention going out on those easy aerobic runs and just say, you know, here's my goal. I'm going to try to run for like 30 minutes and I'm going to go at a pace that is so slow that I feel better when I'm done. Or I'm going to go at a pace where my legs don't hurt or whatever it may be. Um, And it might feel really weird at first because it it almost feels like a jog or like maybe a walk would feel. But if you can embrace into that, it it can definitely help with the consistency. Um, So definitely a lot of benefits to the aerobic running. I know we've done podcasts on the aerobic system before and slowing down on your easy days and all of the benefits um, and why it's super important to have that system in place. And there are some workouts, so it's not only easy running, right? So obviously the longer distance races like the marathon or the half, 99% aerobic in nature. And so doing these easy runs helps develop that aerobic system. But there are also running workouts, right? So within the realm of running workouts, there are so many variations. And usually they're split into like two different categories. One of them is a more aerobic type of workout where it's developing, really sharpening that upper end of the aerobic system. And then there is the other type of workout, which is more of like an anaerobic, a speed workout, hill workout, that sort of thing, where it's working more on like power and raw speed. Um, And there's kind of like a variation or a mix between the two. But when you're training for like that half or that full marathon, typically speaking, for most athletes, especially like the athletes that we coach, who maybe their aerobic system um, isn't as developed as their anaerobic system, we're probably going to focus more on those aerobic type of workouts. And so Jason, can you kind of run through what what is an aerobic <laughs> workout and what type of categories there might be mm-hmm. um, and how someone maybe can incorporate those into their training? Yeah, so aerobic, you know, aerobic workouts are um, where oxygen is present and it's able to kind of keep up and, and send blood to those muscles that need that need it in order to keep you, you know, propelling forward. And so the most common aerobic workouts I think that we would prescribe would be like a progression run or any form of tempo. And you can break a tempo run into like, you could dissect it three different ways, right? Um, you could do steady state runs or, um, you know, lactate, basically threshold training. Um, so maybe you're doing like two by 10 minutes. Um, but I would say, yeah, as, as a beginner athlete, then the first kind of concept to master, I think, is the progression. And then you mm-hmm. can start to do like more of what I would call up-tempo or steady state. So that's usually, you know, 20 to 30 seconds slower than marathon pace, um, all the way up to marathon pace. So kind of in that range. So um, those are kind of my favorites. Go-tos, go especially during like um, maybe um, an off-season or just like a summer base building um, period because as you get closer to the start of the season then you're going to start to ramp things up and do more like threshold and and then even beyond that so 
Right. Yeah, definitely important to kind of nail down those workouts, those longer workouts, right? So I always think if you're working towards those longer distance races, you want to think you're going to be running at a pace that you can sustain for a longer distance. And that's an easy way to kind of remember that is you're not going to be doing like super fast, like 5k mile stuff, like during these longer um, workouts that are helping you with the longer distance races. Um, and like you said, progression runs can be huge, especially for beginner athletes. A lot of the times people will be like, what's the point of this? Um, and here's just one example. Recently on social media, we posted like a marathon pacing plan, right? And we're like, okay, start 10 to 15 seconds per mile slower than marathon pace. Then you're going to, you know, get into marathon pace around mile four five, six, whatever. Um, and we just talked about incrementally increasing the speed by like five to 10 seconds per mile. And someone wrote a comment saying, I have no, like I, I can judge like a minute per mile, but like, I can't do mm. 10 seconds per mile. Like it, I don't right. know the difference between this pace, like eight ten and in eight twenty, And I'm like, okay, well that is actually one of the number one important factors in executing your potential in a race. So pacing is argumentatively like the most important thing in running. Right. And so these progression runs, while they sound kind of dumb and maybe they're not as effective at building your lactic threshold as like a specific threshold workout would Mm -hmm. these progression runs give you a set of different tools right and so you're working on pacing and getting faster every single mile and learning how to control yourself in a run and feel out what that five to ten seconds per mile faster is Um, and that pacing practice is huge and it helps you master that control over your body and then obviously at the end of that run you're able to push it into like the threshold zone maybe Mm -hmm. um, at the end and do a little bit of marathon pace so you're still able to get a little bit of that workout in there but you're also getting that pacing execution because I don't think you get the same pacing practice with a threshold run you just dial into your threshold and you just kind of like hang out there for most of the workout whereas a progression run you're actually teaching your body the minor difference between like five to ten seconds per mile which is extremely important right yeah definitely and like you said it just provides you with the best set of tools i think um and you can apply that to future workouts in pretty much any category you know even if you're doing like speed intervals and you want to try to run the first one at a certain time Mm -hmm. and then you want the last one to be the fastest one so um, a lot of this is going to translate over into yeah racing and um, just learning how to kind of conserve energy and finish out your sessions uh, feeling strong. Yeah, definitely. And another comment that I see a lot with new athletes to run for PRs or just people on the social media page is that, okay, I get it, slow down. Like, I can do that. Let's say you master the slow down. Mm -hmm. And then they say, well, on race day, like, my body, I just don't know, like, how will it know how to run race pace? How is it going to know how to run fast? And I say, okay, well, that's why we have to do these workouts. So only like 80% of your mileage needs to be at that super slow, easy aerobic development pace. 20% should be at these faster paces. And that can be one to two days per week. So you are getting, that's a significant amount of practice, right? Like two days a week where you're practicing how you are going to feel on race day. And so those are the days where you're really going to have to put on that gamer um, you know, mindset and, and simulate and visualize how am I going to feel on race day? I'm, this is my practice here. 
Um, and that's where you really start to teach your body, this is my uncomfortable day, this is what racing is like. And I think it's also important to remember that racing is always hard, right? So you're not making racing any easier by going hard every single day. Um, you're just, you're training your, <laughs> you're just, you're making it so that you're never able to have that recovery period. And I think some people confuse like um, how often they are dipping into the pain cave with like how fit they are. So just because you're running at a moderate pace every single day um, doesn't mean that you're more equipped to face that uncomfortableness on race day. It's just, I think at that point, it's more of like a mental thing to get over. Yeah, I think, um, you know, aerobic workouts to me, there's something, you know, coming out of college and stuff, that was something I always lacked in my training. And that's one reason I, it, I uh, my marathon PR did not correlate to my half marathon PR just because mm-hmm. I needed to spend a lot more time doing these types of workouts. Like I had really good, in, I had good VO2 max and, you know, I was able to execute workouts um, like 400 repeats, 800s, even mild repeats pretty pretty well and pretty consistently. Um, but I was not doing a lot of like progression runs or like long tempos where I could, you know, be confident in being able to negative split. It was just something like, I think I, I had this fear of, oh my gosh, well, if I run for like 45 minutes straight at this sort of uncomfortable pace, like how am mm. I going to be able to finish it stronger than I started? And right. so just like kind of getting over the fear and I think taking baby steps to getting there so you know depending on how much you're running and how far your runs are your progression might be time-based or it could be yeah it could just be like two or three miles worth and just you could even break it up by half mile if you're only doing like a two mile progression you know you could say every half mile should be faster than the previous so you, you at least have like four data points there to kind of look at and examine and reflect on and um a lot of times these aren't always going to be a perfect progression if there's hills or there's wind or other factors that come into play, but just think about the effort should be progressing throughout the workout. Definitely. And for a marathon or half marathon training, I typically, I mean, depending on the athlete, obviously, if you have two quality workouts where we're doing some of this pace work stuff, it's going to be on your two longest runs of the week anyways. So mm-hmm. it's going to be on that medium long run day usually. And then sometimes on the long run, we'll, we'll add in some pace work and What's, what that is doing is teaching your body, okay, when we have these longer runs, we're doing a quality session, right? And those are the more stressed days. And so that's why it's really important to fully recover on the days in between. And those days in between, they don't really matter in terms of, oh, I have to do a workout. It's more about that aerobic development, aerobic base. And so if the, on those days you want to go in the trails and do like some hike, run, walk, it's probably going to give you the same benefit Um, even if you're going, let's say your normal easy pace is like 10 minute pace and you're in the trails and you're going like 14, 13 minute pace, it's, you know, it's pretty much the same thing in my opinion. Um, and so I think sometimes road runners get really caught up in, oh, you know, that mathematical equation, I have to run this pace, VDOT says this. And sometimes it's just leaning into that. No, like on these easy days, I'm going to go the pace that my body says, um, maybe taking it to the trails and then even incorporating some cross training. So that's something else we could talk about here is that mm. as um, some of our runners become older and they, they turn into master's runners or grandmasters runners, um, some of their training does start to shift. And so you might get some feedback from an athlete saying like, you know, I'm just feeling really worn down or like I'm not able to hit the paces or you just start noticing patterns and 
you start to experiment with things like adding in more cross training, even though that might sound um, counterproductive, right? Because we're saying, okay, develop this aerobic base, but at what expense, right? We really need to make sure that we're able to recover in between those quality days. And so sometimes as an athlete ages or things change in their life, like they have more stress, we add in um, some cross training and that can maintain that aerobic base like if you're doing a 60 minute bike ride it's not the same as running but it's all about that aerobic base and going back to building that aerobic base yeah definitely it makes me kind of think of triathletes you know for example they're spending so much of their time you know balancing all three of the of the sports and i think um you know when you look at the really elite triathletes like at the olympics i looked up their times and stuff and i just saw like how fast they're running their 10k Mm -hmm. like after getting off the bike um, you know, even biking like 27, 28 miles an hour and they go and they run a 10 K and sub 30. It's just, it's insane. And I can't help but wonder, like, I wonder what their training is like compared comparatively to elite runners, um, that maybe run around the same time or slightly faster, um, because you know, they're spending way more time on the bike right. and in the pool. And so I, I'm guessing their mileage is lower, but that does, you know, and that just probably means that they're still doing quality workouts running wise, mm-hmm. but they're maybe not getting the bulk of the easy mileage or the aerobic runs, um, that, that's you know just runners are getting but they're getting they're making up for that on the bike that time spent on the bike i mean you know it takes a long time to go for a um 20 or 30 mile bike ride comparatively to you know 10 mile run so um yeah i think you know triathletes are a great example of that and just figuring out how to balance it and you can still get bang for your buck with cross training definitely (laughs) and some of my friends in the running community um one of them is like an Ironman, right? So she's done those really long distance where it's like you're, you're training for a hundred miler and stuff like that. And I know after she trained for her first Ironman, which she took, you know, all summer and fall. And then that winter after Ironman, she, she just kind of like nonchalantly trained for a marathon. It wasn't even like her highest mileage cycle. It wasn't anything like that. And she ended up running a 304. And every time like it comes up in a conversation, she always brings it back to like I really think it had something to do with that Ironman training because like she was doing so much quantity of just bike swim all of that stuff that it it took her aerobic system to that next level and so she when she went back to just running was able to run an even faster time so a lot of what she was doing for Ironman training was slow it was like low heart rate slow slower biking right it was just like super low heart rate super low heart rate swimming all of the above um, but it does it, it does pay off so it's all about um, consistency over time right and building that aerobic base it there is something to be said there um, and then as we kind of transition out of this aerobic I know we've been talking the majority of the time about this aerobic base and so let's talk a little bit about the anaerobic work and why I guess like the first question that comes to mind right we prescribe strides like almost weekly to our athletes and strides are usually done like you top off at like an anaerobic pace but it's not necessarily an anaerobic workout can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about like the benefits of stride and like the super speed that you get when you're doing strides and how that maybe isn't exactly a workout but why there is benefit to that yeah i mean it's such a small dose that i think you're not doing a lot of damage um but you're still getting um you're still getting practice at, at recruiting those muscles for a short period of time. And so they're at least being somewhat familiar with it. So when you get to the end of a race, you're hopefully gonna have a strong kick and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Or um, when you do do those occasional, like really hard workouts, your body will kind of remember at least like 
how to kind of maintain that form. And so it's really about when you're doing strides, you should really try to run with like, you know, as strong as form as possible. Try to be, um, you know, not crossing over your midline, not leaning forward or backward, you know, just really trying to run fluid and relax, but also just letting the legs kind of open up and go. And so, um, yeah, doing these a couple, you know, once a week at least is, is a, a good idea. And then, um, you know, back in like, for kids, we would do them almost daily at practice. And so I don't think you can do, you know, there's some programs that they, they, they do them so frequently. And so, um, I think, and there's obviously different variations of strides that you can do too. So you don't always have to do them just, um, at the end of your run. And they, right. they could be like sprint float, sprint strides, or just, um, you know, open field, run barefoot, that sort of thing. And you're, you're basically just working on improving your gait and, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I hear the phrase like improving your running economy mm-hmm, a lot yeah. when we're talking about doing these strides in super speed. Um, and I could take a stab at, you know, exactly what that means, but do you want to kind of define what is like running economy and like why is that important? Well, yeah, running efficiency basically, right? So how, how much ground you can cover with expending as low energy as possible, um, you know, keeping your body going at a, at a you know, pretty good pace without um, tiring so if you're practicing going fast giving short doses of that the goal is you should be able to handle running slower um, at, or at a slower pace um, and just maintain it for longer right definitely and I think when it comes to incorporating some of these anaerobic workouts because sometimes people be like no like elites they do anaerobic workouts in marathon training or I, I follow someone on social media who's like a super fast runner and they do speed workout um, during their marathon training. And it could be that their aerobic and their anaerobic system are like, so like they're so close to their potential already that like mm-hmm. they have to do the speed work in order to, yeah. um, keep the legs sharp and to keep them efficiently being able to run at those top end speeds, um, so that they can have that aerobic development. What, what is there to be said about incorporating speed workout into marathon training? Yeah, a lot of it's going to come down to kind of what level you're at with your running and what is your background, like how much experience do you have, you know, doing these types of workouts. Um, if I'm working with like a new adult runner I who hasn't had a lot of experience racing 5Ks and stuff, but they just really want to finish this marathon, I'm probably not going to have them do as much speed work as I would someone who's, you know, finished a handful of short mm-hmm. distance races, handful of half marathons, marathons, um, you know, that sort of thing. And so it's just kind of learning about how to adjust those doses and the distances as well. So you can do speed workouts um, that take, you know, a minute to 90 seconds, maybe it's 400 meter repeats, and you can do them all up to, you know, 800 to one case. And so it's really about finding the right amount and just slowly kind of introducing it and then adding on progressing, not only with um, the volume, but also maybe the pace. Um, And you can play with the rest in between and all of these factors to kind of help elicit the response that you're looking for. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a good thing to keep in mind is that it really depends on the athlete. And so it's hard to talk like in such a generic um, words for this one, because some some athletes when marathon training are going to do like almost a weekly speed workout and then do like their aerobic workout during their long run, whereas other athletes maybe aren't doing really any speed workouts. Um, but like you said, we only get so many workout days within a marathon training cycle. And so we really have to think we have to really prioritize the workouts that are the most important for that athlete and what is going to give the most bang for your buck. Right. So if you're 
only running 40 miles a week and you're only supposed to do like 20% of your weekly mileage as a workout day, well, that's going to leave us with like eight miles a week that we can use and we're probably going to try to use most of that um, as that aerobic uh, development and working on those aerobic paces. But it just really varies from athlete to athlete and based on your background and kind of like where you stand in terms of um, racing history and like what is going to give you the most bang for your buck because we always want to look at um, what that is. We don't want to like put in a bunch of speed workout just because you like doing it and you're really good at it when we could be doing aerobic work that would be making you faster at the longer distance stuff. Okay. And so then instead of focusing on like marathon training, why is it important? So if you're focusing on athletes that are training for like the 5k specifically, what is their schedule mainly going to look like? And what percent of that event is anaerobic in nature? Yeah. Good question. Um, you know, what percentage is aerobic? Obviously going to depend on the pace that you're running, but for most athletes, it's like 60 to 70% would be aerobic. Um, really for a lot of athletes, it could be up to 90% aerobic and really they're only going in that anaerobic phase at the end, you know, that lasts like 45 seconds if they finish strong or whatever. And so, um, I think it's variable on the athlete, but the elites they're I mean, if they're running a five game, 12 and a half to 13 and a half minutes, like, you know, you got to think about, they can, they can be in the, um, anaerobic zone for probably three to four minutes at least. So that's going to be a higher percentage. But I think, um, you know, one thing that we need to think about when we talk about anaerobic development is the component of strength training, because you can add this in and you can still get, um, the, the benefits on the muscular level, similarly to doing the faster workouts. And so, um, whether that's weightlifting, plyometrics, calisthenics, um, the strides that we talked about, these are kind of other ways you can sneak that in. Um, and then, yeah, depending on if, so if they're training for the 5k specifically, you're going to want to target a lot of like, um, kind of what I would call mid-level, mid-level, uh, distance, uh, intervals. So a lot of like maybe 800 to one Ks or where they're running for like three to five minutes max. Um, if they're training for like the mile, then they're going to be even shorter, you know, things like one to two minute reps. So, yeah, definitely. And so sometimes training for 5k, like I'll prescribe athletes, doing like one minute or like 90 second intervals. And I think a lot of that is like just getting comfortable with that uncomfortableness. So even though, hey, um, working in your VO2 max, it might be like three minute intervals, four minute intervals. I think sometimes it's such a shift from the marathon training that they're used to that I like to prescribe like shorter intervals at first so that they just get used to, oh my gosh, okay, this interval pace feels like I'm going to die. But then we kind of like extend it out. Like maybe the first time it's one minute and then it's 90 seconds and then we're up to two minutes and they're going at the same pace as they were. It's just that mental shifting, I think from working at those aerobic paces. And then when you shift to do like a 5k or a one mile type training, it can be so drastically different. And one of the things that I think is really funny about the mile is there's like a mile race that's at the Twin Cities or Twin Cities in Motion puts it on. And it's just this really big race that like a lot of people go to and it's only one mile. Right. And so a lot of people have their own opinions on okay it's just a mile like what's the point of that uh, but some people like show up to race it right like that you show up to like game it and that's really where like my mile pr 
um, was set for a really long time. You'd go there and you'd try to run like as fast as you can and it's on the road. So it's, it's even a little bit different, right? Uh, but I remember finishing that race one, you know, I'm like coughing and it's just such a different feeling. Like you, mm-hmm. it's like a different sport. Um, cause you like can't breathe, um, because you're dipping into that anaerobic system so much. And then at the finish line, there was like someone who is like a four time, 100 miler finisher and he was spectating and he said, you are so brave for doing this. And I just was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, why aren't you doing it? And he's like, I could never like, he just was like, I can't do that because it's a different cool. sport. And he recognized like how uncomfortable that feeling right. is for him. He would rather suffer through hundred milers, right? He would rather be like that total aerobic, really just cruising along, going at it for like 30 hours. Whereas that pain of the mile, if you're really pushing it, it's like you almost have that feeling of like coughing up blood, which is like a scary, I I don't know. Um, Talk to me a little bit about getting used to that feeling because it is a it's such a drastic change. Um, And I think it does take practice. Well, that's the thing that particular race, you know, it's in May and I think it's kind of in the middle of like our circuit, which offers, you know, 5k, a 10k and a half and all that. So a lot of the people running, I would say the majority, they don't really train specifically for that race. Mm -hmm. They just kind of jump into it as part of their training for maybe something longer. Um, So they haven't really done a lot of like, you know, those shorter types of workouts that are going to target that system, like 200 meter repeats, 400 meter repeats, stuff like that, you know, 45 second um, intense intervals. Um, you know, cause most people, a lot of people are running their mile anywhere between four to seven or eight minutes. And so that is going to require some different training. And if you haven't really, you know, done much of that, it's going to be a shock to your system and you might experience the tightness that you haven't experienced before, or just like chest pain or, you know, stuff like that. And I always felt like that too. when I did my first track meet, uh, indoors, especially coming off of a, a cross country, a longer aerobic season, um, but yeah, I liked how you mentioned earlier about the offering, kind of introducing these doses of speed and mm-hmm. forms of like a fart lick for a minute. I think that's a good way to get familiar with how to be uncomfortable. And if you're going to start with like 1K repeats or 800s, a lot of times I'll prescribe them um, at a slower pace. So like threshold pace, just to kind of get used to going through the cycle of running like four, you know, four of these in a row, that sort of thing. And then as an athlete can kind of, um, you know, show that they're, um, completing these and consistently then that's when you can start to increase the paces or increase the amount of reps yeah and i think like all things practice right so we talked Mm -hmm. a a little bit about like how you would increase the reps in a workout but also a lot of that comes down to if you're racing like one miles or 5ks what i recommend within a season is to do multiple races and that's why for our unleash the speed program and other speed programs that we've done over the winter we have multiple races right because it is something that you can rebound and recover from within a few days if you race a 5k you can do another 5k in a week and no problem right um and a lot of that boils down to understanding how to pace and how to push yourself within a race and i think there's more benefit almost to racing more frequently than there would be to to do a bunch of training so it's a little bit of difference between like a marathon training cycle obviously you're never racing a marathon you're, you're not gaining right. that practice you're doing those longer workouts but sometimes when it comes down to the one mile or the 5k there is that tactical part of like racing mm-hmm. learning how to get that extra edge like learning how to pace because sometimes what happens is 
like you were talking about with the one mile race, it's like, it's the only time anyone's doing that one mile, they show up, they haven't really trained for it. And what ends up happening, at least for me, is it's like you get three minutes in and, and you check out mentally because you're so used to these long distance races where you're like, oh yeah, save something, save something. And then, oh, oh, it's over. It's over. Right. You know, it's like, okay, it's like a five minute race. And oh, I like checked out for half of it. Or like I was giving up because I was, but it's just the timing. You want to kind of let your body get used to, okay, like halfway through a 5K, like this is where I feel like this and I actually can push a little harder. Because a lot of times when you finish those races, they're shorter distance, you're like, oh, okay, like I could have maybe done this differently. And so that's why I think the the racing experience comes into play a little bit more with those anaerobic events and allowing yourself that practice, especially if you're someone who's used to those longer distance races and you don't really have a lot of experience racing on the shorter distance stuff, especially in like recent memory, right? So even like you who has a lot of experience with the mile or the 5k, do you think that you even get benefits from doing multiple within a season? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, you talked about, um, you know, the mental kind of the mental side, the benefits that you get mentally of not just learning how to pace, but how to push through like those unpleasant feelings. And so that mental toughness is Mm going to translate over. And if it's been a while since you've raced or done something fast like that and more intense, um, yeah, that's, that's an area there that you can actually benefit from if you do a series like what we offer, or you, you know, decide to commit for eight weeks or something like that to improve a 5k time. And you, you really target a few um, you know, time trial events or races that are really short. And I think as you go back to a new marathon training block or whatever it is, something longer in the spring or next summer, um, I think that you're going to benefit a lot just from focusing on your speed and not just the physical benefits, but the mental side as well. Just becoming um, more aware of yourself as a runner and what your strengths are, maybe what your weaknesses are, and just being more mentally tough and how to push through, you know, unpleasant thoughts. So it's kind of like tolerating that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's just so so many benefits of switching things up, right? So um, with those short distance races, it's all about getting uncomfortable. And sometimes we get so caught up in like the marathon training cycle or whatever we're doing in our running that we forget that there's other distances. And I think there's a lot of benefits to kind of like flip-flopping back and forth between different goals and race distances because the mile can make you a faster 5K, which can in turn make you faster like the half and then a faster half, faster full. And, and vice versa, right? So if you do like a fast marathon, like maybe you develop your aerobic system even more and that helps you out when you switch back into speed workout because you have an even more developed aerobic system that you can utilize for those shorter distance events and it just kind of builds on each other, right? And so fitness always builds. The aerobic base is consistently training over time yields to the best results. Um, and so that's a lot of what we do here at Run for PRs. We help athletes really reach their potential and figure out a plan to get you to where you want to go, right? So a lot of us have these goals and we're not exactly sure the roadmap of how to get there. And we love working with athletes individually to come up with a customized plan to get them to their goals and all of the benchmarks to get there. So if that's something you're interested in, we'd love to learn more about you and get to know more about your background and help you reach your goals. You can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com for a free seven-day coaching trial. Everything is 100% customized. You get paired with a coach who specializes in working with athletes just like you, and we always pair based on backgrounds who we think would be a good fit. So again, that's www.runforprs.com. Fill out the form, and we can get started right away. Thanks for tuning in.